Welcome back to another episode of the ACC Now podcast. I'm Jonas Pope IV, your host this week, NC State beat writer for the Raleigh News and Observer. And like the last time I was the host, I'm talking football. You guys have noticed a trend here. I've done more football talk than basketball. I did a couple of basketball podcasts, but to me, it's never too early to talk talk football. And if we're talking ACC football and we're joined by one of the voices of the ACC, of college football in general, you, you've heard his voice calling games in Triangle and call it college football games all over the ACC network and for ESPN, Mr. Roddy Jones. Roddy, man, appreciate you taking the time and joining me on this week's episode of the ACC Now podcast. How are you, how you been? Uh, I'm fantastic, Jonas, and I appreciate you having me. It's always exciting to talk football. I'm, I'm in the middle of baseball season, so I do some baseball too. Um, but anytime I get a chance to talk some football, I'm happy to do, especially when it comes to talking about NC State and the, uh, and the other teams in the triangle. Yes, you know, like I said, it's never too early to talk it, and it's never too early to put out top 25 polls. So let's start right there. We've seen some of these top, these, what they call never too early lists, NC State, uh, Nine and three last year. Well, depends on who you ask, because the people in, in the triangle in Raleigh <laughs> say ten and three. But uh, we'll we'll, just, we'll say nine and three on the field uh, last season. In, in some of these way too early lists, I've seen them in the top tens. I've seen them in top fifteen. But I think I saw them like number seven somewhere last week. W- what are your thoughts on the, on these two early lists? And you see NC State in that position in a top ten on some of these lists. Well, I think the, the big thing that happens this time of year is we look at the teams that won the most games that have the most coming back, and we automatically put them uh, at the top. And, and some of it ends up being warranted, some doesn't. Like you, you mentioned the way too early list. You see Utah consistently at like number three. Do I think Utah is going to be the number three team in the country next year? Absolutely not. Do I think they're going to be really good? Sure. So, so we'll see, you know, a, a lot of times you just don't know how to quantify the development of some of these really old guys, because uh, when you get to be a fourth and fifth year senior, the, the improvement's more incremental. And, and this is a game where talent wins. And typically those teams that come out of nowhere are the really talented teams that stay healthy and kind of congeal and come together. So, so I think it's warranted for NC State right now based on sort of how we evaluate going into the season. But ultimately, you're going to have to prove it on the field. And do I think NC State can do it? Yeah, for the most part. But you're going to have to avoid some of the lapses that they've had. But this is a really good football team that honestly could have won more games than it did last year. Yeah. The, the tricky part around these parts, and I'm sure you're familiar with how NC State always they have the high expectations, but they tend to not meet those expectations for one reason or another. Um, as, a, as a former athlete and a guy who's around these programs, how do you handle that? these next upcoming months when they are working out and they're around each other, you know, the summer, they're going to, they're going to see these lists. They're going to see these polls come out in these magazines. They're going to be on their phone. If you're a player, if you're a coach, how do you handle those expectations or, or that outside noise of these next few months? Well, I, I think if you're a coach, you're trying to focus that attention elsewhere, not necessarily externally elsewhere, but really focusing internally on, all right, I, I get what everyone's saying on the outside, but here's where you are messing up on this particular play. Like your steps still aren't there. Your your route still isn't crisp enough. You're a yard and a half too deep. Those are the little things you have to focus on as a coach. Not that you're trying to bring those guys down to earth and, and beat them down, but you're trying to keep them focused on the things that you've been focused on the entire time. Now's not the time for Devin Leary to start thinking about his draft prospects at the end of the year. 
Now's the time for Devin Leary to be focusing on what he's going to do on a particular play against a particular coverage or checks or whatever. And that, and I just use Devin Leary because he's the he's the most visible. But that goes all the way across the team. If you're a player, I think you you know players are so good about talking the talk when it comes to the haters. You know, the haters say this, the haters say that. It's all about us. It's all about us. You got to bring that same energy when the haters are talking good about you. You know, you got to bring that same energy when the media is patting you on the back as they did after the Mississippi State game last year when it was circle the wagons, nobody believes in us. Bring that same energy to that because it's the same person giving the opinion. One of them you like, one of them you don't. They're going to throw out the one that you don't like. Throw out the one that you like too and focus on what's on what's right in front of you. And that's hard, man. Like it's hard. It can be intoxicating when you're walking around campus and everybody's telling you how you're a dark horse for the college football playoff next year. Yeah, and Dave Norton made a comment after the spring game. Uh, he, he didn't mention Carolina by name, but he said, hey, you know, <laughs> we saw how this could happen. You can have this, get all these pats on the back this offseason and then fall on your face uh, the first game of the season. That, those are my words, not his. But he, he yeah. kind of alluded to like, hey, we saw how this can go wrong. So I think that's the message. I think he's telling his guys, hey, we got a good example right in the road of how not to handle this offseason. Yeah, and, and for NC State fans, uh, NC State is better set up for success than Carolina was last year. And I thought that going into the season last year, too. I thought Carolina just had too many places to really replace extreme production, like great production. Michael Carter, Javante Williams, De'Ami Brown, Daz Newsome. And, and then but, – but you thought the offensive line – would be okay. NC State is losing some massive pieces. Ikiakwanu, both figuratively, figuratively and literally, is a massive piece to lose. The two running backs, big pieces to lose. Uh, Mecca Mezzi, big piece to lose. But uh, other than Ikiakwanu, I think you can get the production that you got from the pieces that they still have on the roster. Now, they got to go out there and do it. But if, NC State fans, I think you should feel better coming into this year than Carolina fans should have felt going into last year. And, and real quick, I want to ask you about one of those pieces come back, Devin Leary. You kind of touched on it. Do you feel like I mean, you see these lists of quarterbacks and, and guys who are coming back and top 10 in these positions? I feel like Devin Leary has been overlooked a little bit. Even Dave Dorn is like, hey, we got the best quarterback in the country. Um, what are your thoughts on his? what you saw from last year, him coming back for his third year, um, another another offseason under 10th back, you know, another offseason with no injuries? What do you think about Devin Leary moving forward in 2022? I really like Devin Leary, and and I love the fact. See, this is that that's the kind of energy that like NC State has to have. I, I don't I don't feel like NC State could ever operate on like the we've arrived. Like you always, like, NC State should always operate on the man. Everybody hates us, you know. <laughs> Devin Leary's not getting enough respect. You know, the team isn't isn't uh, isn't getting enough respect. Um, but I I really like Devin Leary, and I actually thought he got um he got overshadowed, but I don't think it was it was undue. Like, I'm not saying that he wasn't as good as Kenny Pickett or Brennan Armstrong or, or, or Sam Hartman or, or any of those guys. Uh, but Kenny Pickett was a Heisman trophy finalist, but Brennan Armstrong, had he not gotten hurt, would have thrown for 5,000 yards last year. So you just had guys that were putting up astronomical numbers and, and, and Kenny Pickett was obviously going to go to the draft. And so you kind of get that, that hype train rolling without those guys. Well, Brennan Armstrong's still in the league, but he's not going to put up the same numbers. But without those numbers and and with with a full season and with the hype that that Devin full season of success with the hype that Devin Leary is getting in the offseason, I think he's going to get his just due. Um, and he might even be I, I don't 
He might be a, a the first team all ACC quarterback when we vote in July. I, I'd probably say Sam Hartman's the favorite for that. Yeah, but Devin Leary's going to be on that list. Like he's going to be one of those guys that gets votes. So so he got overshadowed last year. I, I think it's his turn now. Yeah. And last NC State question, real quick. You know, a couple years, 2019, they win four games. They're really young. People are calling for Dave Doran's head. Uh, you fast forward to last year. They win nine games with the potential to win 10 if they play a bowl game. They actually played that bowl game. Now they're bringing everyone back. You see Icky went number six in the draft. You know, they have guys drafted almost every year. What are your thoughts on what Dave Dorn has done with the program entering year 10? I, I look at last year as a, an example of, of kind of, and this upcoming year, as an, as an example of, of kind of how it should go at NC State. Like, I, I don't think you should – ever get to four wins but they had a ton of injuries and that was that was sort of a weird um a weird confluence of events that happened to lead to that but in a year where Clemson isn't college football playoff caliber mm-hmm. and NC State is experienced like NC State should be a team that wins nine games and if we're being really honest was flirting with 11 wins I mean no. you are one point away from beating Miami you're right in it with Wake Forest Mississippi State was kind of different. It kind of got away from them early, and I'm not going to count that as as like a hey, you should have won it. They laid an egg, but but yeah. they're a better team than Mississippi State, so very honestly could have won that game. And yes, the the Clemson game could have gone the other way too. But I think when you average that all out, this is this is a ten win team. I mean, it feel looks and feels like a ten win team, and I'm not expecting it for NC State to win ten games every year. But every few years, you know, every three four years, NC State should have a team that gets old enough where it can win 10 or 11 games. And I think Dave Dorn's done a pretty good job of, of building the foundation where they are there now. And did it happen as quickly as NC state fans may have hoped? No, it didn't, but it never does. These things take time. You know, you, if, if you just look in the division at what Clemson built, people saw Clemson in 2014 and 15 when they became college ball playoff caliber. And were like, wow, look what Dabo's done. Dabo's first season was 2009. It took him, it took him that long, and it took him the Taj Boyds and the Sammy Watkins and the New Hopkins and the Stephon Anthony's to go through that generation of players to set up the, the set the scene for Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, obviously. So Ryan Finley and and Matt Days and Naheem Hines and Bradley Chubb laid the foundation for Devin Leary and this crew. And when you're putting out high-level prospects, top 10 picks, as often as NC State has over the last five years, um, I think Dave Dorn has done an excellent job at NC State. Uh, and, and I really think NC State fans should appreciate what he's done there. Yeah, Dave Dorn's going on record and saying that Bradley Chubb class, that recruiting class, and B.J. Hill and Justin Jones, that group laid the foundation to the success they're yep. seeing now. Um, I want to move up the road to Chapel Hill a little bit, UNC. Obviously, we talked about them earlier, having the offseason hype, and then, you know, preseason top 10, and, and things didn't really go their way. Now they get now they got to replace the greatest quarterback in school history, and they got to try to try to get their face back, as, as we like to say. How, how, how do the Hills uh, bounce back from what was obviously a disappointing year in, in 2021? I think it starts fundamentally um and i'm not talking about on the field i'm talking about as a program where is your foundation what are you grounded in and i thought unc had success before that was sort of cured like they 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 um 
you know, if you're, if you're talking about a slab of concrete, like you need that foundation to cure before you build the house. I think because of the success, they thought the house was built when the foundation <laughs> wasn't quite dried. And, and there was a sense of entitlement, like entitlement to success. Mac Brown has come in. We've got Sam Howell. We are going to have this success. And it's like, no, the guys who propelled you to that success had been through it. I mean, Michael Carter and Javante Williams had been through it. They were on really bad in UNC teams and grew up and, and were hungry to get to that next level. Um, and, and then you have a guy like like Chaz Surratt, who was just a great story moving over to the defensive side and, and probably was a bigger loss than we anticipated or may have been. So so I, I think UNC just needs to get back to, hey, look, this thing is built through work. We've recruited really well. And now it's time for some of those recruits to start to show it. And yes, you're losing Sam Howell. I don't think that's a bad thing for them, though, because when you lose Superman, everyone stops looking around for Superman to make the play and takes it upon themselves to go do it. You know, we were kind of part of that on the team that I was on at Georgia Tech. In 2009, we had Demarius Thomas and Jonathan Dwyer and Joshua Nesbitt. Well, anytime we needed a playmate, it was Demarius Thomas, Jonathan Dwyer, Joshua Nesbitt. Those were our Superman. And when two of those guys left in 2010, we're looking at Nesbitt like, hey, look, you're the Superman that we got left. Where's the play? And, and, and then when he got hurt, it was just all it was it was uh, it was the season was lost, essentially, for all intents and purposes. So that feeling amongst the team of looking like, OK, Sam will save us. That's gone now. And so now you get the, the, the collective work, I think, that'll help propel them. I, I am bullish on Carolina this season, you know, without going through the schedule. I don't know how many games they're going to win, but I think they're going to be a much improved team. Gene Chizik's on the defensive side. I think they're going to change some stuff up there that'll help. Um, so I actually don't think the loss of Sam Howell, while losing the greatest quarterback in school history, is a is a shocking, a jarring uh, prospect. I actually don't think it's a terrible time, terrible thing for the football team from a maturation aspect. Yeah, and, and you know, replacing him will either be uh, Drake May, who's a you know a legacy at, at UNC, or Toby yeah. Criswell uh, from you know I think it's like a redshirt sophomore who came in a couple of years ago. Um, Mac has said that they're. They've been battling back and forth. Um, what are you hearing? What do you what do you think who emerges from that job? Or do you think Matt, who who has been known to he'll he'll play two quarterbacks? Do you think he play, may play two guys? And we'll see the rolls around. I, I don't I don't know if we'll play two quarterbacks. I, I um you know he has said I've done it before, and you know I didn't go back and dig through the Texas footage, but uh, <laughs> you know I remember Colt McCoy and Vince Young and you know guys like that. So so um, yeah, I I don't know I don't know if we'll do that. I. I I tend to think that Drake May is going to win the job. And I base that off of the fact that the the offense that Phil Longo runs, if you look at what he's had, obviously, at UNC, which has been Sam Howell, yeah. if you look at who he had at, uh, at Ole Miss, which was Jordan Tamu and Shea Patterson, and Shea Patterson, both of those guys had some ability to run, but I would not call them primary runners. Um, I think he's going to go with the best thrower. And while the spring game would suggest that both of these guys are adequate throwers, I think historically Drake May has been looked at as the as the better thrower. So so I, I would guess that it's Drake May. I would not be shocked if it's Jacoby Criswell. Um, I would be a little surprised if they go true to quarterbacks for more than a couple of games. Smack smack dab in the middle of state and and and, and UNC is Duke, who after the David Cutcliffe era has a, a fresh start now with Mike Elko. Um, I mean, Cutcliffe was a guy we thought would would have a statue built in front of him and leave whenever he wanted to. Um, but do you do you feel like it was time for a fresh start? And if so, um, what do you know about Mike Elko? What do you think he brings to to, to this program? 
I do think it was time for a fresh start um, just because I think it had kind of gotten stale and maybe a little cyclical with the way things were going at Duke. Um, this was a program that David Cutcliffe brought them to to extreme heights, and they probably still should build him a statue because he <laughs> brought them into he brought them into the 21st century when it comes to playing football. He taught Duke how to treat football. He retaught them how to treat football. You know, when he first got there, there's a track around the field, and you know, uh, a guy. So I, I host ACC Today on SiriusXM with Chris Patola a lot. Chris was an assistant on the on the Duke, director of operations on the Duke uh, basketball staff, and David Cutcliffe had to teach that that the the administration you don't run on the football field like the football field is a sacred thing that is meant to play football on. This isn't something to be treated as it's something that anybody can use. So that sort of um, attention paid to football, he really helped Duke uh, learn what it's like um, at a big time program. So, but I do think it was time. Like the quarterback play, it just disintegrated at that place defensively this is a defense that was pretty good and I think it was yeah it was pretty good in 18 uh, and I actually had high expectations for them going into 19 and they were okay in 19 they were bad in 20 and they were worse in 21 like it just went downhill after that 18 season so uh, the the new voice I thought was was warranted uh, Mike Elko, I had a chance to, to to cover him when he was at Wake Forest. I think he brings a good energy. Uh, we'll see where he goes, man. Like he's got one of the most interesting quarterback decisions in the league with Riley Johnson um, and uh, and Jordan Waters. So so and that's it. Seems to be a true like, hey, do you want the guy that's extremely dynamic running the football and pretty proficient throwing it, and Jordan Waters, or the guy that's pretty proficient throwing the football and can still run it a little bit with Riley, jo Riley Leonard. They're not that different yeah. um, from, from my estimation. So I actually like, there's a few teams in the league that I really don't know what to expect next year. Duke is one of them. I would say Virginia tech's another one. Um, you could even probably throw Virginia in that category because of what they were defensively last year, but um, new head coach really overhauling sort of the culture and not in a, this was a bad culture type of way, just resetting them and, and resetting the expectations at Duke. Big picture wise, and you kind of touched on it earlier with the, the transfer portal and, and older guys on some of these teams, like State has 10 guys back on defense. I think a bunch of those guys probably should have been going if we were in, no, in normal times, right. in air quotes. Um, how do you see the, the portal in the ACC? I know Carolina has some serious upgrades this offseason. Um, State's obviously benefited from the extra year of the COVID guys, but they only brought in one skill player for the for the portal this offseason. Duke brought in a long snapper from the portal this offseason. Um, who, who do you see as the portal winner in the ACC um, just off the top of your head so far this offseason? So I think from from right now, and, and I'm not going to, you know, uh, going to wax poetic and, and really talk, you know, uh, anoint some of these transfers because we'll, we'll see, man, like so much of it. Like you look at a guy like Jared Verse, who is all everything at all to me. He's going to Florida State. And we'll see, you know, because we've sort of had it both ways. I think he's going to be a good player. He's not going to be Jermaine Johnson. Like Jermaine Johnson was a guy that transferred from Georgia and, and ended up being the defensive player of the year. So so is he, you know, can he be Quincy Roche from a couple of years ago? So we'll see. I, I think I think Florida State's brought in a ton of transfers. I think they have to be looked at as, as a, a school that probably um, should get a lot of production from those guys. Miami has brought in some some impact guys. Um, 
But ultimately, if you can find one piece that plugs a hole that you had, that I think is probably the most valuable way to do it. Like it's it's weird, but if you look in the SEC, who's the transfer portal winner in the SEC? Well, it's probably Alabama because they got a really talented running back at a place where there was going to be competition there. They got a lot faster at receiver at a place where they just lost two burners at receiver. So they're plugging holes. They got five transfers and all of them plugged a hole. So I think it's more about that than the volume. But overall, you know, the, the portal's gotten a lot of, of bad publicity lately because of the Isaiah Wong story, because of the Jordan Addison story. All in all, it's pretty good for the ACC, both the athletes who decide to transfer. I'm going through it right now. And according to 247, like there's very few, and I mean like a handful of ACC football players that decide to transfer that don't have a home by now. You're recruited in the ACC. You're probably going to be able to find some place to go. And overall, I think the ACC, just looking at the numbers, is probably a net importer of transfers rather than a net exporter. And that should be the case because these guys at lower levels that are pretty good have the ability to move up. And the ACC is probably an overall beneficiary of the transfer portal. Yeah, I can't wait to see. Um, <laughs> Dave Dorsey, he struck gold last year with uh, with Corey Durden, uh, Cyrus Vega through two games. Right. And, uh uh, some other, some of these other guys who came in and, and played. Oh, Derek Pitts, who came yeah. in and started. Um, so we'll see if Carolina has some of the same success with some of these guys they bring in. Uh, we'll see. I guess not Duke, but Miami, Florida State, some of those guys they bring in. So it, it will be interesting to see who can fit the culture and come in and just, and just contribute right away. Yeah. Righty, Matt, thank you as always for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Look forward to uh, seeing you, I guess, I guess in Charlotte for, for Operation Kickoff. Yeah. It'll be here before you know it. It really will, man. Uh, well, I appreciate you having me on, Jonas. Great to talk as always. And you have a have a great summer if I don't talk to you before kickoff. <laughs> I appreciate you.